Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Racing is the ultimate digital home track for race fans everywhere. Subscribe today and stream over 1,300 racing events live and on demand. Flow Racing has something for everyone, like NASCAR Weekly Series, Sprint Car Racing, Drag Racing, Off-Road Racing, and much, much more. Learn more at flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here's your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you is, well, we've cleared Talladega. We're getting ready for the Roval. And my, oh, my, what a wonderful time of the year it is. It is playoff time. For the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, they're going to take a couple weekends off. For the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series, they are hammered down into the Roval. And this will be elimination race territory this weekend for both the Xfinity and the Cup Series. 
We'll lose four, and then we'll engage in the round of eight the following weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Talladega was tame by many standards. While there were incidents on the racetrack, the large, abundant crashes that we had, the big one, as it were, they didn't manifest themselves. So the playoff grids have been affected accordingly. Some drivers were hoping to take advantage of some misfortune that did not come for most at Talladega, and it sets up a spicy little situation this weekend at Charlotte. We're going to devote our time talking to a couple of NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers in this installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. And let's start with one driver that's got work to do going into the Roval this weekend. Brandon Jones is 11th of 12 drivers on the playoff grid. He finds himself tied with Riley Herbst for 10th. He is 10 below, and so is Riley, going into the drive for the Cure 250. Figure we'd check in with Brandon and see what's going on in his world. So let's go to the NASCAR Live Wide Open Zoom hotline, bring in the driver of the number 19 Toyota Supras, for Joe Gibbs Racing, Brandon Jones is back on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Brandon, how we doing? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm looking forward to uh, going back home, man, for a little bit. Racing at the uh, hometown track, I guess, for most of us anyways, these drivers. And um, it's it's always fun to see everybody put up their fan fest and do different things uh, during this weekend of racing. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Road, coursing, uh, road course racing has you know been one of those things that – None of us really grew up doing. I know a few of them have and have a lot of laps, but for the most part, you know, most of us, most of us are oval racers, you know, and so this is always fun for me to go back to these road course racing uh, style of places and, and try to figure them out um, and try to get good. You know, I think in the past, I've looked at all these tracks when I first came into this and was thinking, man, like I, this is something that I've never done before. It's tough, difficult. And now it's gotten to the point where it's it's fun. It's a cool challenge. Um, it's one of those things that I've had to go on my own and figure out a little bit and, and figure out different schools and do different things to try to help help get this program going. And um, we've turned it around big time, man. I mean, we come, we come to these tracks and we're top five contenders to, to sometimes sneaking in there and getting a win even. So I'm fired up and looking forward to it. Well, I'm going to do a deeper dive into the Roval coming up here. I want to button up Talladega. It was... I don't want to say it was an uneventful Talladega, but it wasn't as eventful as it could have been. Did that surprise you Saturday? I was 50-50 on it, man. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I think that probably most of us were thinking, okay, it's playoff racing. We need to all finish the race. We, we proved that we could do it, right? We proved that we can have a clean race to the end. And it's, it is interesting to go back and forth and look at the first race. And now look at this race and the dynamic and the difference of how um, aggressive guys are pushing and how different things uh, formed up. Even really the cup race, nothing really too crazy, you know. So I was I was uh, a little surprised by both of them. Um, but maybe, you know, looking back at it, understandable and, and kind of made sense. Um, I wish they could all go that way from a driver standpoint. I know fans love the craziness and the action at the end. Um, but for me, man, it was a nice sigh of relief. The only issue is, and, and you know, man, I, I, I never want anyone to be involved in wrecks or crashes or have anything, but everybody did good, right? Everybody had a good finish that needed to have a good finish. So it didn't really help us out any, you know, it, it, uh, it still has us under a little bit points wise. Um, but this weekend will be a, a big testament and, and a good way to make up a little bit of ground. You're 10 points below the cut. The uneventful nature at Talladega. How did that affect what you're looking forward to going into the Roval this weekend? You could have had a lot more heavy lifting to do, or you could have been in a better spot, depending on 
what happened at Talladega, but we got out of there basically scot-free. How does this affect whatever you were thinking coming into this weekend's race? Yeah, not shoot, man. I think it goes back a little bit to Texas as well. We, we didn't collect the stage points that we were hoping to collect and then had the incident there at the end. It didn't allow us to finish a race. So Texas was our real killer, you know, and all this. I think if we would have been out there and it would have finished that race, we're in a way different position. You know, we're talking different different stuff here, but it uh, just didn't go our way. So, yeah, now, now it puts us in a position where um, we have to look at the people that we're racing against. We have to go and look at the points and say, okay, like we're not going to, you know, if we can win the race, heck yeah, we're going to win the race. But, you know, that's not probably going to be this the number one priority. And that's what's tough about going into these races this weekend is you have to have that mindset of I need a big picture here. I need to look at this whole thing as a whole and say we need a bunch of points, need a bunch of stage points. I think it comes down to qualifying well. Um, I've been studying this race a bunch and watching different things. And um, it is difficult to pass. You know, I think that what's wild is if you're out front, you're almost, you know, a good half a half a second to even a second faster. And when you get back around that 10th, 12th range of group of guys, it just becomes difficult to pass without touching someone or bumping them off the track. So you need to give yourself the best chance this weekend of qualifying well and staying up front. Really, if you do that, I think we take care of ourselves. You know, I think that um, we run fifth kind of the whole day, and and you know that that comes out of a really solid uh, solid weekend. But uh, but yeah, I expect uh, I expect big things this week from us. So you've got Sam Mayer twelve points above the cut. You got Ryan Seek six above, out by six. Daniel Hemrick, you're tied with Riley Herbst ten out, and then Jeremy Clements is forty seven out. I would take it the one of Mayer, the thirty nine of Seek the 11 of Hemrick, the 98 of Herbst, are they the ones that you're racing against on the short term this weekend? For, for sure, man. A- absolutely. Um, and I'm going to have Jeff uh, Mendering update me on that stuff the whole race, you know, of how their race is going. Uh, if they have a mishap or they get taken out or something happens in that area, um, it's one of those that okay, if, if you know you're in, if they have something happen, you know you're in, it's like, okay, we're just going to lick our wounds today and we're going to take our points and we're going to go the next week and really crank it up, you know, so it can change your change your race a lot. And I, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for whatever it throws at us. If I have to go and really battle and really run up front the whole day, I'm down to do it. But if, uh, you know, if you have a day two where you can just kind of ride around and, and not have any incidents, you know, and make it in, then that that's another uh, aspect of this. So it's going to be it's going to come down to, to how the race is being played out. And, and we're going to have to have two mindsets for this weekend going into it. You talked about qualifying and the importance of qualifying. You've won four polls this year, and you always strike me as a good qualifier. How do you get to the point to where you're comfortable enough to maximize what you get in practice, but then maybe overextend yourself within limits and maybe step beyond what you did in practice to get a fast time on the stopwatch for qualifying? What is that like? Yeah, I've done a good job, I think, of maybe in practice not being the number one guy, but right close to it. You know, we're normally top five-ish in practice around that area. And what we do, man, I go back and I just watch from practice to qualifying. We don't have much time, right, you know, these, these days to get in between each round and do different things. But I go back and I'll watch where maybe the number one guy was a little bit faster. And I'm really good at picking up lift points and different things that I'm doing. So if they're driving in, you know, 100 feet deeper, doing different things there, I just make those adjustments, you know, and I go forward from that. And I think, honestly, being a little bit further back in practice, not not to the point where you're, you know, you're off on speed, but just a little bit down the line, it gives you that opportunity 
to go into to, to qualifying knowing, okay, I can push just that little bit harder and I'm going to be right where I need to be. And if you're normally fast in practice, you have nobody to judge off of. You. So you're going to go off of what you normally do and it may not be enough, you know. So um, that's kind of the gamble that, that you play there a little bit. But we've done a good job of, of transitioning from, from practice to qualifying. It's a little bit different of a mindset, you know, practice uh, with 30, 20 minutes, what we've been getting lately, it's all been about race runs for us. It's been about, okay, we don't really have much time to do adjustments. We can't really touch the car much. So let's just go make laps. And I think a lot of guys do the same thing, have the same strategy, but we just go and run that whole session out. And I'm sure we'll do the same this weekend, especially at a road course, you know, it's just, let's go get as many laps as we can get before qualifying comes up and get in that rota- you know, rotation and, and get comfortable again on this place. So we, we've just we've been running our practice and qualifying just really smooth lately, I think. So final road course race of the year. And while you have several, you don't have as many as you do ovals and short tracks and things of that nature. So being that you don't road course race all that much, how does a race car driver go about getting better at the road course game, considering you don't have a lot of opportunities to do it during the season? Yeah, I mean, you have to got to get creative a little bit you have to step outside of your comfort zone sometimes and go find different things and um simulation has came so far i know we we wore the topic out on simulation but it really is true i mean i shoot man i racing you can you can do it all day every day for for the whole week if you want to you know so it's it's just laps um and then going and getting in different stuff um i know a ton of us have the go-karts that we all go run um and so we try to get in those as much as we possibly can um, you know, I know guys that will go and, and find street cars and go run, you know, different courses and stuff that are competitive street cars. So it's just, gosh, you have to go out and search for that stuff. And I think um, that's the only way you're going to get better at it. Um, and, and it comes down to, and I've even talked to guys about what do you do for rain and what do you do for that? And it's the same, same mindset. It's as soon as it rains, go out there to that go-kart track or go get in the wet. You know, you have to just be in it to get comfortable. And so that's really all that, that I've done to, to get better at this is um, just put almost even more emphasis on running these tracks during the week and stuff um, before we get here. And, and heck, man, we're, we're looking even deeper into next year. There's, what, eight road courses or so that, that they just released on the schedule. So there's there's a lot of, of that coming up. And so you're going to have to get good at them, man, to, to win a championship and to be a contender because they'll take you out in a hurry. You talk about next year. You obviously have been in the silly season storyline. You're going to leave Joe Gibbs Racing at the end of the season. You're going to move on to Junior Motorsports in 2023. When does that transition begin? You're focused right now on your playoffs and trying to win a championship. But at what point do the conversations, the text messages, the phone calls, whatever, start to pick up and you'll make that transition? Or will it be cold turkey, leave Phoenix, JGR, thank you, and then head off to Junior Motorsports? How will that work? I'm going to say that it's going to be very fast after the season ends. Um, you know, I think, man, I look back to where I started at the beginning of my JGR journey into now, and it's been incredible. You know, I think that the amount of knowledge I've gained at this race team has been um, really, really big. Um, and to be honest, man, I'm searching for the next thing now. I'm taking all of that knowledge and I'm looking forward to, okay, how can I even make it better? You know, how can I continue to add on to this? So I think it will transition really fast. Um, into the to the to the next year, um, I've already been small talking conversations on how can we go ahead and just get ahead of the game because you know I've been doing this for a long time, they've been doing this for a very long time, so we know how fast this next season is going to sneak up on us. And so right now, it's all about we need to figure out seat positions, we need to start getting all these little things ironed out so that we can just 
you know, not focus on any of that stuff when it comes to time for next year and start working on competition stuff and things. So um, if we can get all those little things and little stuff ironed out, that'll be really ideal as fast as we can. Um, and it's going to be a lot on me because this, you know, past four or five years now, I've had the same stuff. You know, everything inside that car has been exactly the same. I've finally got my seat where I want it, my steering wheel, um, just every little nuance in that car. I've kind of ironed out and got really good. So now I'm going into something completely different. I mean, I think that they're, they're inside of their cars, I'm sure, are going to be night and day different as far as everything laid out differently and their throttle pedals and stuff. So um, we got to try to get ahead of that as fast as we can. I'm sure it'll take me a race or two to kind of say, okay, yeah, this is not going to work or this is good. Um, but it always happens that way. And it's just, it's, the faster you can get those things done, um, the better off you're going to be because then you can go to work on competition and not, um, you know, if I'm comfortable in the car or different things. Before I let you go, uh, I know you're a big outdoorsman and we're coming in on fall. Uh, when will you have a chance to take advantage of the great outdoors and all that it has to offer here as we get to the end of the season? Gosh, man, it uh, it's not looking good. I, I need to I need to step up my game and um, just get a, a new Matthews V3X from from my buddies at Grafton um, Archery up here in Salisbury, North Carolina. So if you're uh, looking for a bow, go check those guys out. But but man, I, I need to uh, I need to get going. The the site that I have on my my bow currently. It's a it's a really annoying site, and if you're a full-time avid outdoorsman, hunter, whatever, you have time to site these things in. You can get it done within a couple of days. But man, I've been prolonging this for about a year now, and so I'm still not ready to go. But uh, it, it's getting beautiful here, man, in North Carolina. The weather's cooling off. Um, it's time to to get outside, have some some fires, and sit in the woods and um, enjoy the things that that you know God and everybody intended us for us to go enjoy. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but but first let's let's try to go win this this championship, man, and then have a have maybe two months here to to, to relax and take off some. I'm gonna say before you get to the great outdoors, you've got matters to tend to. Most recently, as coming up this Saturday at the Charlotte Motor Speedway on the Roval, the drive for the Cure 250. Appreciate you joining us, and it's been fun to watch you and your journey all year long. All the best in uh, more successes and making it into the round of eight after Saturday. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. That's Brandon Jones getting ready to go and maximize his day on Saturday with what is hopefully a performance that'll put him into the top eight and into the round of eight once we get done with matters Saturday at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now let's transition to our second guest. And this driver is not running for a championship. This driver is running a race in an effort to get more races. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the A-listers and the drivers that are there each and every week. There are drivers that are trying to get their careers off the ground. There are drivers that are that are doing jobs here and there that just want to race and they have a passion for racing. And that indeed is the story of our next guest. He'll be driving the number 35 car for Emerling Gase Racing this weekend. We're speaking of Brad Perez. Back to the NASCAR Live Wide Open Zoom hotline we go and welcome in Brad. Brad, welcome back to NASCAR Live Wide Open. How are we doing today? How's it going, Bagman? I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm, uh, it's such a nice day. It's uh, pretty nippy outside, but I like it. That's a Florida guy. I guess I could consider it cold, but it's not really cold. You're from Delaware, so <laughs> you'd, uh, this is probably nothing to you. Uh, I'm at the shop right now uh, looking at our race car. It's really cool to, to even get to see it kind of sentient, like in person. Well, I'm going to save that for the end, which you're going to be doing this weekend, but a lot of people may not know who you are, you've run three races so far, two truck races, one Xfinity Series race this year. This will be your fourth start of the year. 
Not a lot of people, though, are familiar with you or your racing background. Take us all the way back. You mentioned Florida. You are a native of South Florida. So connect those dots. Brad Perez, South Florida, NASCAR. How did all this come together here? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really weird. I don't. I, I I've always tried to ask what uh, ask my parents what really kind of sparked my interest in racing because I feel like it happened so early. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my dad had got a poster of the Firestorm car. It was like 2001, uh, the Jeff Gordon Firestorm car, and he put it in my my room, and I was like, man, I have no idea what this is. This is really cool. And uh, after that. Um, he told me that there was actually a race at Homestead Miami Speedway that we could go to um, to uh, get to check it out and, and see that th- what is on this poster is actually a real thing. It's not a cartoon. It's like for real. So he took me to my first race. Uh, the, the I think it was the Pennzoil Freedom 400 and uh, saw like an amazing finish. And after that, I was hooked. Uh, I would watch it on TV every single week. Um, I would always uh, try to check up on it as much as I could. Being I would. I would be the kid that's like watching practice on thir- or like Thursday or Friday, <laughs> like just you know, just to get as much NASCAR as I possibly could. And uh, after that, I uh, ended up um, trying to do go karts, but uh, my parents really couldn't sustain it too much. And South Florida really is uh, not really an oval racing kind of area, even though I was really into NASCAR. We had highly a speedway, but that closed down in 2005 when I was eight years old. So um, from then on, I just really wanted to get into it couldn't really so i just became a fan and i just all the way through uh, you know my elementary middle school years i i didn't really see myself ever racing but i i've always enjoyed the sport you know what's amazing is that you look at something and it catches your interest and then you get to the point to where hey i want to try this and then what you experience after trying it is maybe totally different from the way it was when you looked at wanting to do it before you got in the race car, though, you have the likeness. You want to be a part of the sport. You really are following it. So then what next? Hollywood, Florida, leading you to Charlotte, North Carolina. But there's a lot of legwork that went into this before you got to sit in a race car. What did all that legwork entail? Uh, it, it it entailed, uh, well, what entailed of it was a lot of, do I quit? <laughs> or a lot of considering, should I quit? Because uh, it was... I started to do other sports like I did, you know, baseball. I, I did football a little bit. I, I played the piano. I was in bands. I did. I DJed. I did. I did so many other random things because I, I was like, I want to be successful in something to one day, you know, possibly be a part of this, whether it be as like, you know, a guy owning a team or, you know, what have you. So what ended up coming from that is I kind of set my head down uh, starting high school and I was like, I want to do this. I don't care about anything else, honestly. Uh, so what I'll do is, is I'm going to get as much experience driving a car possible. And that could be the most non-serious thing, like going to my local go-kart track and just paying to turn laps and just, just, you know, I would go to work. I would get off of work. I would go to the go-kart track. I would be there all the way. I, I met all the, the employees, all that stuff. They all knew me. Um, and you know, they don't know that I really want to be this race car driver, but they think I'm just having fun. I'm like, I kind of am, but um, it all kind of just were things that I started to learn. I started meeting people at the racetrack or at the go-kart track that raced in real life, like for real, for real. And I started like, you know, picking their brains and stuff like that. And they were like, oh man, you should totally go to a track day. You should totally go to do this. And I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll do that. 
uh, you know, sometimes I would go to Homestead Miami Speedway or, or Sebring, I would take a day trip and just go to a track day and go to an SECA event and help wrench out or, or just hang out with people and, and just see what it's about. Um, and then after that, uh, I was like, all right, so now I know what I can do. Now let's see how I can do it. And really the barrier obviously was money, but um, more so I felt like if I could learn enough about the trade to be able to work myself into it so I can be paid to be here, there is a chance that now if I gave myself a little bit of driving experience doing something on the small side and also be able to hold my own on the wrenching side, maybe I could do something. And I didn't know what would come of it, but at least now I know what, what came of it. So. So after that, when did the move to Charlotte happen and what jobs did you do before you started to pursue driving opportunities? So um, when I think it was about 2016 or 17, so it was like the, the year after I graduated high school, I graduated in 15. Uh, at this point, I've, I've done a couple of pro go-kart races and the LO206 class was very cheap. I, could able, I was affording it with yogurt money. I always say yogurt money. Um, it was, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I worked at Yogurtland. <laughs> I, I was getting paid like $11 an hour <laughs> at Yogurtland. <laughs> and um, ended up working myself up to shift manager. So that, that helped out because then I was able to kind of just like not be there as often and be able to, to leave on the weekends and, and do a couple of races. Uh, I did that and uh, then I switched jobs again because they were tired of my schedule being terrible, <laughs> which I understand. Uh, I moved on to, I was a patient transporter at Memorial Regional Hospital in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, that was a fun one because you got to meet a lot of people. Obviously, it was in terrible conditions considering you're in a hospital, but um, like the people were really nice and, and they were understanding of the schedule and it paid really well. That one was one I definitely, if I ever like retired, I would like to do that again. But um, that I did, I was a valet at Margaritaville Hollywood Beach Resort. That was my last job before I moved to Charlotte. Uh, I was a I was a customer service agent at Kohl's. That did not last very long. They they did not like me because so I was like, hey, I need all this time off. And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, I think I had a couple little different odd jobs in between, but I, I think those are really the most notable ones because those are the ones I always remember on my Snapchat stories. I always look back on my Snapchat stories. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I did that. <laughs> but um, uh, the last one I had was the Margaritaville one, and that was honestly a really good job. I valeted uh, awesome cars. Like, that was awesome because I got to see all these cool cars. It was a very high profile place. Um, I got to meet Jimmy Buffett a couple times. He's a, he's a weird guy. He like shows up in the lobby and he doesn't talk, talk to anybody. And like, unless you knew that was Jimmy Buffett, there's no way that you would know that that was Jimmy Buffett. He doesn't talk to anybody. Um, we had like different, like the CEO of Publix would come in. Um, a crazier tie into this though is, so Pitbull, his homies with the CEO of Publix. And he would go to JB, which is like the prime like steakhouse that they have on the bottom floor of the hotel. And he would come in and I would valet his car sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah, so I've met Pitbull <laughs> and valeted his car. I don't know if he remembers me. I'm trying to figure out how I could like, you know, be in the conversation, but yeah, he was a really cool guy. He was very nice to everybody. And uh, that was that's the only tie to motorsport, I guess any of my jobs I've ever had. <laughs> Weirdly enough, it was Pitbull. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so Marguerite was my last job. That year is the first year that I worked 
sporadically for JD Motorsports. So I worked them. I worked with them the July Daytona race. The year before that, I worked for Rick Ware's Xfinity team at Homestead. And then um, the first time I ever got paid was in 19. I went to the Iowa race. Um, and funny enough, it was with Ryan Vargas, who was like, who was my first roommate in Charlotte. And like, I, I had known him from the, the drive for diversity stuff. I, I wasn't in it, but I was always like a fan. I was like, oh man, this is cool. Like this kid all the way from California. Like, you know, I met his parents and all that. We, we became very close. And um, then we, uh, you know, I, when I wanted to move over here, he was like, hey man, like I'm just living with my dad. It's like two bedroom apartment, but I have a couch. I was like, if you want to come, like go for it. And I was like, that might be a good idea. Like, you know, now I've got to the point where I feel like I am not like super mechanically inclined, but enough to the point where I can, I feel like if I could provide some value. So I, was, I, I hit up the competition director at JD after Iowa and he was like, well, we'd love to have you. I was like, awesome. And uh, that literally that off season, I moved, I did all the, the traveling flying events up until Homestead. And then I, after Homestead, I was like, here I go. I moved to Charlotte and I've uh, been here ever since. Chatting with Brad Perez, who's going to be taking the green flag on the Drive for the Cure 250 Saturday in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving for Emerling Gase Racing. So you go to Charlotte and you start with JD Motorsports. What kind of jobs did you do when you got there? And what jobs are you doing now? Um, so at the time, I was uh, just a tire guy. Like, literally, I, I walked in the shop in the morning. Uh, we, I drove an hour and a half <laughs> from, all the way from uh, Concord to Gaffney. Initially, uh, you know, get to the shop in the morning. I was driving with my buddy, Jay Lopez, who actually helped me get connected with JD Motorsports in the first place. And um, ended up, uh, well, when I was there, walked in the morning, uh, just cleaned up a little bit after the guys. Uh, I was on the zero car at the time. It was Garrett Smithley. Um, and it was me, uh, was Spud, Mark Setzer. That was, that was an awesome guy to work with, Mark Setzer, who is currently the crew chief at Jeremy Clements Racing. Um, and we would just, we would be working together, just trying to put the cars together. It was, um, I was kind of doing more fab stuff because it's kind of stuff that like you can't royally screw up if somebody tells you to do it correctly. Like obviously, you know, underneath things, it's like that has to be nothing bolted and checked. You know, if, if it's like, oh, I could teach this kid how to rivet a crush panel, he'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I was doing that. Uh, I was managing the tire stuff. So um, when it came to at JD Motorsports, we didn't we weren't on the champion tire deal. So after the end of the race, we would take all of our tires, put them in the hauler, bring them to the shop and dismount all the tires at the shop. They still do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And uh, I would be there on mounting tires for like three hours <laughs> until I was able to learn how to do something like that was, you know, you know, skill based. And uh, that was kind of my motivation it's to start learning stuff. So I was like, this is the worst, but I want to be here. So it's like, you know, it was perfect motivation. Um, but I did that. Um, and then I graduated to, to better things. I was able to do some underneath stuff and, and get to finish fab and do all the other things. I was on the dyno. I was able to do all the other cool stuff towards the end of my tenure there. Um, and then I was able to move from JD. I ended up going to Martin's Motorsports, worked there for quite a bit. Um, they ended up working for Rick Ware again on the cup program a little bit. And then after that, um, got to work with Rackley War. And that was really fun um, being able to uh, be on a team that that I knew was, was going to win. I did not, I was not there for their win. Crazy. But um, 
I, you know, I knew that team uh, was very well put together and, and they had the capabilities of winning. And that was definitely another motivator, even while I was doing the driving stuff. So now you're about to make your fourth start this year. After going through all that, all the sacrifice, the moving, the jobs here and the jobs there, you get an opportunity to drive one of these vehicles. What is it like being able to drive one of the cars, knowing all the work that you have put in and are putting it right now? It, it's definitely a, a weird perspective because um, being around these cars so much, like throughout my time being here, I feel like I know how to work on an Xfinity car better than I know how to work on my Miata at this point <laughs> uh, because of how often I've been around them. It made it to the point where when I got to here, I, I didn't feel like as nervous because I felt like almost kind of at home just on the outside. But the only thing that was really different for me is, you know, being able to be a participant in the event, like being like, and I'm so used to going to an Xfinity event and being glad enough to just be there and do my job and fly under the radar and, you know, do my tires, have my music on, you know, whatever, chilling and talking to a couple people. And now going to an event and like being part of the event, like being like, like, you know, it, it's, it's, that's different. That's very different because even driving to inspect Miata, we never had a crowd like short track racing you know you know you could go to a packed house at bowman gray you can go to a packed house you know at greenville pickens or something at i have not driven in front of a crowd of more than crew members until i did my first arca race so the the, the being part of the driver intros like all those things like that was definitely one where i had to sit back and be like uh what <laughs> But now it's starting to sink in a little bit more to the point where I'm now able to enjoy more of the driving and not be so nervous about it. Um, and yeah. <laughs> what would you tell young men and women out there that have the same desire that you had that want to drive cars or even work on cars that may not live in Charlotte? They may they may live you know points beyond, but they had that same burn that you did. What recommendations would you give them? Um, it's difficult because, you know, I think one thing that that most people don't realize about this is that the financial sacrifice that it takes to be able to, to follow your dreams, not everybody can make that sacrifice. Like not everybody has a stable home, family life, parents that are able to say like, yeah, you know, you can, you know, you can make your own money and then use your own money to go somewhere. You know, I, luckily I had the type of parents that like, they're, they're able to sustain themselves enough to the point where I could be independent to make my own money, pay my own bills, do all this stuff. You know, I know people that like they're providing for their parents, you know, because that that's a difficult situation. And it's I feel like it's it's not a cut forward thing. I think that privilege of being able to to do that is something that I don't want to take for granted. But I think most people don't realize that you can't just say, all right, do you want to do it? Then just do it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, yeah, if you just, you know, put your mind to it, you could do it. It's like, I think if you're able to make, you know, do the research and and network, networking is free. That's that's one thing that I learned a lot. And networking is free, regardless of how terrible your situation is or, or whatever it may be. You know, if you network enough, you can probably network yourself into a situation that can help regardless of your financial status. Of, of being able to, to do what you want to do, whether that be working on a car in, in Nebraska 
or, you know, or trying to drive a race car in Montana or, you know, it could be anything. I feel like if you really wanted to do it, I wouldn't say go out there and just, you know, make the risk of moving to North Carolina or whatever, but, you know, get out there and, and do as much as you can that's free to be able to do what you want to do that hopefully pays you one day. I love your story. I love your passion for racing. I got to know you on social media because I think you had chimed in on a tweet that I was uh, I was on, and then I clicked on, on your Twitter page, and then I started like following your story along. I'm like, wow. And then, you know, the start would come here in ARCA, then you have a start in the truck series and all that. And your story is very compelling to me because there is a path in that doesn't take the millions that we always hear from some drivers granted your path is different but it is a path and you've made the most of it and there's still still more to make of it going forward and that's why your story resonated with me i wish you the best man i would love to see you full time but you put in the hard work and you put in the sleepless nights and you've made the sacrifice good things come to folks like you and i hope good things continue to come your way most currently this saturday at charlotte by the way Road course racing. Are you a road course racer? Because I know the Roval can be a handful, but it's a favorite with a lot of drivers and fans alike. Road courses are my thing. Um, and that's just because it's just kind of where I started. And, uh, you know, like I said, this is not really a short track scene. South South Florida, I mean, really the only tracks we have is like 417. We have Showtime. We have um, Citrus. But those are all like three hours away from my house, like back home, my back home house. And... Um, I just did it. I've raced there a couple times in a legend car, but it was tough for me to be able to financially like commit to doing something like that. So that's why the road racing thing, when it came from carts, all the Miatas, was a lot cheaper to do and a lot more reasonable. So it just just because of kind of how that came about and where I grew up, that ended up creating kind of my, I guess, like my specialty in, in road courses. And um I think another thing that I feel like sometimes I wish I could just tell to people on the couch because I was that person on the couch. This is hard. <laughs> like You can't like, you know, as much as people want to rag on the guys who run in the back in Xfinity, it's hard to run in the back. It's hard to make the race. It's hard. It's hard to do all that stuff and line that all up because you could be even amazing and get in a mediocre car and you're running 24th. And it's so, and we're talking like guys like, I would say like I respect a, a Kyle Weatherman, like a Bailey Curry, like those guys who are very good race car drivers, like insanely good. And they'll run 27th every week and nobody will say a word. And it's like, I feel like I could do that on the road courses. I feel confident enough to do it there. But I could even say if I went to an oval, like if I went to Phoenix and I tried to make the race and, and I was like in a eh car, I don't know if we're making it. But, you know, I could say, yeah, I put Bailey in and he's going to make it, you know. And, and that's the, I feel like that's like the almost unrealized respect that I feel like some people need to have for some of these guys. And that's why I, I'm like road courses. You know, of course I want to take that jump one day and, and do the ovals. It would have to be the right situation um, to be able to learn as much as I can. But road courses are something that like, all right, I have the confidence. Like I can maybe hang with these guys. And even still, it's tough. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's cup, if it's Xfinity, if it's trucks. Everyone makes it look so easy until you have to go do it. And then it's like, whoa, all right, this doesn't look this hard, but it's very, very difficult. Even to your point, mid, mid packers, backpackers, it's, it's, it's very 
It's very difficult. We wish you the best. We appreciate you making time for us. We wanted to visit with you and shine a spotlight on you and your journey and and allow you to give the opportunity for some of these younger race fans and these younger race car drivers to be or mechanics to be to get an insight into the journey. It's a long road, but the road can pay you dividends. And you've given a lot of folks some optimism today and and perhaps maybe given them a path forward. We wish you the best on your path forward Saturday into Charlotte and you're driving the number 35 Xfinity car. Thank you, Bags. I'm just I'm just happy to be here. That's it. <laughs> I love his passion. I love his devotion. I love everything that this young man does in an effort to race and fulfill his dream of being involved in NASCAR and ultimately being a full-time race car driver. We wish him the best. It's an uphill climb, but that young man has got such a great positive attitude that um, we hope good things will come to him and good things will come to him based on the kind of person that he is and the outlook that he has. So we wish Brad Perez the best this weekend in the drive for the Cure 250. All right, what's Las Vegas saying about Sunday and the Bank of America Roval 400? For that, we bring in producer Trey and we check the odds. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Please bet responsibly. Trey, what do you have for us this week? Well, Mike, last week, we finally saw a playoff driver lock themselves into the next round with a win, and that was Chase Elliott, the regular season champion. And going to the Roval where he's won two out of the four races there, it makes perfect sense that he is the favorite according to BetMGM. He is 4-1 to one or plus 400 this weekend, a stark contrast from the favorites being 12-1 to one last weekend at Talladega. Tyler Reddick, who was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs but then won at Texas, he is plus 600 to win this weekend. And then last year's winner at the Roval, Kyle Larson, is plus 800. Those are your three favorites according to BetMGM. As far as my pick goes, I think Elliott would be the obvious pick here. He is having a ton of momentum. He wants more playoff points going to what is sure to be an ultra-competitive round eight, but I don't always like to go with the obvious, so I'm going to go with Larson. I think Larson gets his third win of the season. He beat Elliott at Watkins Glen. However controversial you, you view that, Chase Elliott obviously wasn't pleased with Kyle at the end of that race, but this race means a little bit more to Larson. Larson is not locked into the next round. He's got a decent points cushion, but nothing is safe going into the Roval. Last year, he was the regular season champion, and at points in that Roval race last year before he came back and won, he was on the outside looking in. So I think Kyle Larson knows how to handle this track. He's a very good road racer. Kyle Larson, the pick at 8-1. As far as long shots go, I'm not going too off the board this weekend. I'm going to go with as of right now, the two guys that are battling for that final spot in the round of eight. Now, this is obviously pending William Byron's point ap appeal, but right now, close friends Austin Sendrick and Chase Briscoe are tied on the cut line. Briscoe holds the advantage because of a tiebreaker because of his top five finish at Texas. Briscoe is plus 2,000 or 20 to 1 this weekend. Sendrick has a little bit better odds at plus 1,600. These guys are very good road racers. Briscoe won the inaugural Xfinity race on the Roval. Sendrick in his three races at the Roval in the Xfinity series, all three top tens. So either of these guys could pop off a win this weekend and kind of void that points battle. Now, for something super steep this weekend, look at one of those road course ringers. Joey Hand, who a lot of the Ford drivers have credited in making them better road course racers, it would be an absolute shock if he won. But he is plus 75,000 to win this weekend, or 750 to 1. So a $5 bet on Joey Hand would 
net you almost four grand if he were to somehow win. Now, do I think he's going to win? Probably not. So keep a lookout on BetMGM when we get closer to the weekend. They put out props. And Joey Hand in the top 10 might be something you can get a good return on. But 750 to 1, you can't beat that. But I think Kyle Larson ultimately goes to victory one, victory lane this weekend and nets you an 8 to 1 return. I love all that, especially 750 to 1. Holy cow, why not lay five units down on that and buckle up and see where it gets you? You know, with as much inconsistency as we've seen in 2022, I wouldn't rule it out. It's going to be a full weekend of racing. Of course, Trey gave you the odds right there. Don't forget, Marco Andretti makes his debut Saturday in the Xfinity Series race. Connor Daly will make his Sunday in the Cup race. A couple of the IndyCar drivers are going to race NASCAR this weekend. It is going to be a lot going on in the Bank of America Roval 400 this weekend. Our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have the call. And you can always check it out right on MRN.com with all the fallout from the Roval weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're back on NASCAR Live Tuesday at 7 Eastern. We're back one week from today with another download and another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Appreciate you checking us out, and we'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 